Hi, my name is Brandon Laird, and you're listening to the Salvationist Podcast. Today, we're going to talk with Captain Crystal Porter, who starting July 2nd will be the Associate Territorial Indigenous Ministries Consultant and Prairie Division Children and Youth Secretary. Welcome today, Crystal. Thanks. It's great to be here with you guys. Crystal, um, I understand that you've been on a journey to reclaim your Indigenous heritage. Can you share with our listeners how that has gone? You know, that's been a really long journey for me. When I was a child, I remember it just briefly coming up in conversation, but it wasn't something that our our family really focused on. Um, It was kind of something that we knew, but yeah, it just wasn't a conversation piece for us. And so I remember moving from my home in Greens Harbor, Newfoundland, which is this like little tiny, small fishing village and moving to Winnipeg and um, going to Booth College. And I started to attend Wiedema and I just was a part of the congregation and community there and started seeing people that looked like my grandmother. Like there was people sitting in the congregation, indigenous people sitting in the congregation And I was thinking to myself, these people look like my grandma. Why do these people look like my grandma? And I was, at the time, um, Major Sherry and Robert Russell were the officers there. And um, it really started my relationship to reclaim that part of who I was that just wasn't really talked about in my home. And it was a lot of, I kind of think about it like, you know, Shrek uses that idea of an onion and peeling back the layers. And that's kind of what my reconciliation journey with myself has been a lot like, because there was a lot of like deep shame and in our family about being Indigenous and what did that mean for me? And so it's been a lot of self-awareness. It's been a lot of connecting with community and journeying with even my own family in what does it mean for us to be Indigenous? Thanks for sharing that. I became introduced to you and sort of your your connection to the indigenous your indigenous culture, working on a project uh, for THQ around Orange Shirt Day that's going to be happening, I believe, this year in September. And talking with the with you on that project, um, I got to learn a little bit more about you and and your background. And we had a real interesting connection because we were creating artwork for the shirt. It was it was really interesting for me because I was sort of talking about how I, I'm a designer and I have an experience in teaching art and I've worked with lots of different students who come from different um, Indigenous communities. And I would see that reflected in their art. Actually, one of my really good friends is um, a Mohawk here in the area that I live in and he he's an artist. We started talking about art and then you started explaining what, you know, that you got into some some art, um, craft and artwork from your from your background. Can you um, explain, you know, the craft of beading and how that's been a part of reclaiming your Indigenous heritage? Yeah, definitely. Beading has become a central part of who I am as an Indigenous person. Um, When I first learned to bead, it was all about reconnecting to parts of us who, parts of us in our journey that was lost. And so for a long time, struggling through my Indigenous identity, there wasn't really this connection point for me. I wasn't a part of a community. And so beading really became this community for me. And learning the process of beading and just that connection piece of being able to do things that our ancestors couldn't do um, was huge for me. Learning the patterns and designs that are in beadwork um, just opened up this whole 
idea of connecting with um, ancestors who have gone before us and realizing that there is this greater community, even beyond what we see, that is supporting and uplifting us. You know, in scripture, we talk about the clouds of witnesses. Um, and how they continue to help us on our journey. And beadwork has been a huge part of that for me because it really does connect me with the ones who have gone before us and has journeyed with us through this point in our lives. And so um, for me, reclaiming um, my Indigenous heritage through beadwork just reminds me of just that community beyond what we see in the here and now. I like that scripture verse too that you brought in there. In learning your your beadwork and your craft uh, work, you know how did you learn this, and um, how has this connected you to to the that community? So I remember the first meets that I was ever at. It was in Chicago, and I was invited to come along. And this was like really early in my in my journey to reclaim my culture. I walked in and I was so nervous and I didn't really know anybody. It was like one person that I knew there. And there was this lady in the back uh, beating. And so I'm sitting there and, and Nate's is this academic indigenous community with all these brilliant indigenous theologians. And I'm sitting there thinking like, how is this lady listening and beating in the back the whole weekend? I was just memorized by the work that she was doing. And she was working on a pair of slippers I would gravitate to that table and she would be everywhere. Like if there was things happening in the main hall, she was in the back feeding in the main hall. If there's things happening off in another room. She was there beating. Eventually I got the courage to just go up to her and just like stare at her work. And she was like, do you want to try this? Like, I've seen you like looking and do you want to try? And I was like, yeah, but I've never beat it before. And she's like, oh no, come here. And she pulled up a chair and I sat next to her and she showed me a few of the stitches and then she passed it over and she was like, here, um, you try this beadwork. I was like, okay. And I was like, so afraid that I was going to mess it all up. And she's like, no, you won't mess it up. You're going to do fine. And so I beat it a little and she's like, oh yeah, that's great. And then she looked at me and she's like, I got to go do something else. Keep beating. And I was like, ah, like I've literally only been doing this for an hour. And she's like, keep going. And I remember like, I was so slow and it was like, I, it felt like forever. And I was like terrified. But then at the end of the weekend, um, she brought me back to her room and she had all these beads and all these materials. She was like, you know what, Crystal, come in and choose a little bead kit for yourself. Take some beads, um, take some materials that you need to make a medallion. If you have any questions, reach out to me and I'll be more than willing to answer them. And that kind of really set me off in the beginning of my journey because she was just, she didn't know me before this weekend, but she was so giving and so so gracious with her teachings. And, you know, that's really been a connection point for me. There's this really cool network of beadwork artists on Instagram. Um, we all follow each other as we're trying out new materials or um, looking to create different projects. People have just been so willing and open to answer questions. Right now, I'm working on a collar for my graduation, and I've been focusing on Migma artwork. And so for different nations of Indigenous people, artwork looks different, right? So if you're a, a Métis beadwork artist, the flowers and that's going to be completely different than if you're Mi'kmaq or 
all the different nations. And so for me, I'm working on these double curves. It's really cool to be able to connect with other Mi'kmaq beadwork artists and say, you know, is this the right way to do this? Is this the right stitch to use? When you're working on moose hide or melt and felt, is there a different stabilizer that you need to use? So there's all these like little tiny questions that don't seem like a big deal, but just kind of make the art a little bit more neater and um, easier to work with. And people are just so willing to answer questions. And I think it's I think it's a huge aspect of community because for so long, beadwork and indigenous ways of knowing and doing wasn't appreciated and wasn't wasn't a part of was was taken away from us in a way. And so to be able to help and support each other just opens up this beautiful community of people wanting to learn about their culture, reclaim their culture, um, keep beadwork alive for the generations to come. I think it's so cool. Like right now I look at museum pieces um, and draw inspiration from museum pieces. And I think like, you know, in a hundred years down the road, um, if my beadwork is still around and people are looking at it, what kind of inspiration will people and generations in the years to come kind of look at? Yeah. And it's, it's an amazing thought to think about sometimes. I remember our conversation before, when we first connected around this, you were talking about how the use of, of the material in the, in the, in the artwork and, and the crafting that you do is connected to creation care. And, and for me, I was like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Can you uh, uh, share with our listeners about that? I always draw um, inspiration from creation. So that's like one of the basic things that I do. Like when I'm walking in creation, I look at the flowers. I look at even the colors of the sky can bring inspiration, right? So that's like a huge thing, but it always keeps you mindful to care for creation and the materials that you use in beadwork. So um, recently I started to use even more traditional materials. Um, So traditionally smoked moose hides and supporting our Indigenous communities by buying materials specifically from Indigenous artists as well. Last summer I had the most awesome experience. Everybody thinks it's so weird, but (laughs) I actually had the opportunity to get a porcupine that was roadkill on my way to camp. And use the quills from the porcupine to start doing and incorporating that into my beadwork. And a really cool teaching that I learned when I started this process was just giving thanks for the things that you have um, and sharing and gifting the things that you have. So when when I was gifted this um, porcupine, I gave thanks for the porcupine. I only took what I needed and then I gave it back to creation. And so it makes you very conscious of the materials that you're using, but also how you live among creation. When I draw inspiration from the flowers, I want to ensure that in years to come, after I'm long gone from this earth, that people will also be able to draw inspiration from the flowers, those same flowers or the same colors that are in the sky. So it's all about the taking care of creation right now so that in the future, um, there'll still be a place to be, there'll still be a place to draw inspiration from. I find that really interesting for a person who's like sort of looking uh, from the outside in on what you're doing and trying to understand, like hearing what you're talking about. 
it, it, I have a lot of appreciation of what you're, what you're doing and how you're utilizing your experiences within creation, as well as using parts of the porcupine, so to speak, in your art. Talking about your art, are you creating pieces that, you know, you might wear as a ceremonial um, item, or are you talking about creating sort of art pieces that you would sort of like create art for the art's sake? You know, how, what, what, are, what are you trying to do when you're, when you're creating this work? So I've done a few different projects. I love creating jewelry and medallions and earrings. Um, it's just really cool to be able to go out in anywhere, just if you're walking and you've gifted a pair of earrings and knowing that somebody else is like just walking around with your art, that's like amazing to kind of think about. Um, but I've also done some bigger projects for one of my final courses. I beat it a um, Mi'kmaq creation story, um, which was a really cool. It was like the biggest at that point, it was like the biggest project that I had done. It was probably like the size of like an extra large, like dinner plate. So that was like really complex trying to learn the process of, um, beating a project that big. And there's little lessons that you take up and you learn as you're beating. One of the coolest lessons is that you can't bead when you're frustrated or angry because it tightens the strings of your beadwork. And so it doesn't lay flat properly and it doesn't look really great. And so you're always supposed to bead with a good heart and a kind heart because you're beading for somebody else and they're wearing your work. And so as I'm doing this big project and, you know, you're dealing with all these emotions and you live life, right? And so it was like this conscious thing where I'm like, you know what, I am getting frustrated over this project or this that's happening right now in my life. And I need to put this down and kind of connect with the creator over my emotions and kind of sort through what was going on in my life. And then I was able to pick up my beadwork again and kind of keep going. I kind of like doing all kinds of things, all kinds of new projects. And lately I started doing some, with some of the leftover quills, starting to do some birch bark um, quill work. And some of those have been just like for art's sake and gifts and um, for people. But yeah, it's been, I kind of like have my hand in all kinds of things. <laughs> when I'm working with students at the art and design school, um, I talk about being created co-creators. What you just described for me is, you know, being a created co-creator and uh, and bringing that process. It sounds very meditative to me, very con contemplative. Let's use the word contemplative because, you know, you can't do something in the right way without the right spirit or the right heart that we would like, sort of like to say as a, as a faith person. So, yeah, that's a really, that's a really interesting experience that you have when you when you're doing your work because you can tell based on the work you know how you're feeling or, or what's going on inside it's an expression visual expression of what's going on, on the inside so that's very interesting you've talked a little bit about this already but I'm curious what inspires your work are there colors elements themes that you return to it's that whole mindful piece again. Like, I think that's what I always come back to is that when I'm out for a walk, I'm looking at flowers or looking at colors that I wouldn't necessarily put together in my mind. And all of a sudden I'm looking and I'm like, oh, wow, this was created with like what I would have seen as two clashing colors. And so then I'm able to experiment a little bit more with even my color selections and kind of the things that I choose. Um, when I'm doing beadwork for other people or 
yes, yeah, somebody's asked me to do like earrings or those kinds of things. I usually ask what their favorite color is to kind of get an idea, but um, most times, and I love when people do this, they'll, they'll kind of give me an idea of what they like, but then they're like, but kind of experiment, do what you want. And that kind of gives me freedom to think about um, who the person is and allow my mind to just, as I'm thinking about them, what do I identify with them and get to know the person more? So when I bead for somebody, it isn't just kind of a material that I'm processing and um, just sending to them. It's really something that I've taken time to really concentrate on and I learn more about them. I pray for them as I'm beading. And that's something else that an elder taught me was that when you're beading, you're beading for um, you're beating for someone. So you're praying for them. You're praying for circumstances um, that's happening in their life now, but things that might happen later in their life. So when they wear your beadwork, they're wearing good thoughts and prayers that have been prayed for them. So sometimes um, colors come through the inspiration of creation. Sometimes colors just come through um, prayers that I have for the people and good thoughts that I want them to have. Yeah. My final question for you today is, um, is there like a message that you're trying to convey with the work? Does your work tell a story? I think for me, I have, I, I bought this t-shirt one time um, that said beating is medicine. For me, beating has really been this good medicine. It's been this um, healing for me. When I think about me as a child trying to find a place to belong. There was always this part of me that was missing, this part that I just couldn't connect with anywhere. When I started to bead, I was just welcomed and embraced into this community of Indigenous beadwork artists, where if you have a question, you can just ask and people are so willing to help. And I think every time I bead, I consciously realize the gift that the creator has given me through my beadwork that I've just been able to um, reclaim and find a place to belong when I've always been searching for this place. Yeah, so I think ultimately that's that's kind of for me what I want when somebody has sees my beadwork or somebody um, wears my beadwork. I just want them to realize the journey that I was on to reclaim who I was. Crystal. Thank you for sharing your story today and taking the time to talk about your journey to reclaim your culture. Thanks for listening to the Salvationist podcast. For new episodes, be sure to visit salvationist.ca slash podcast. For more Army news, visit salvationist.ca. If you'd like to get the news delivered directly to your email inbox, sign up for our weekly newsletter at salvationist.ca slash newsletter.